Welcome to Living For Him podcast, where in every episode, you are invited to experience the joy of a life in Christ. I'm your host, CJ Cousins, and in today's episode, it is my prayer that the primary emphasis and goal of the following message is that you hear and respond to the good news about Jesus Christ and his kingdom. So whoever you are and wherever you are, thank you for joining us. I invite you to listen with an open heart, subscribe for future episodes, and stay tuned for some next steps after this message. Enjoy. When I was a child, we were maybe on some kind of a trip, a road trip, and I was with my parents, and we were driving somewhere and decided to stop at a store. And as we're going down the aisle, my eyes immediately are drawn to something that I see right there down that aisle. And as I see it, I draw my attention's parent, my, my parents' attention to it. And if you were growing up like I was in the 80s, how many of you were growing up in the 80s? Gen Xers, yeah? Okay, you know that Transformers, the cartoon Transformers, was a big deal. And my eyes beheld a beautiful, glistening inside of the plastic transformer airplane. Lord, have mercy. Every parent in the house right now, especially if you've got young kids, know what came next. I go to mom and dad, and I said, Mom, Dad, I must have this transformer airplane. Please, please, mom, please, dad. I mean, guys, I'm begging. I mean, like almost to the point of tears. Your boy is begging. Mom, dad. And, and, and to the best of my memory, I remember it was like an initial no. And then they kind of paused and said, wait a minute. Now, when I heard, wait a minute, I took that as my cue. I said, well, I may have a slither of a chance, perchance. There's a glimmer of hope that I might just get this toy. So you know what? That was my cue. That was my indication to, to up the ante. That, 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 that was my cue to now start to, to take my begging to the next level. And I began to persist with mom and dad. Do I need to switch? Do I need to grab my hand tail? Am I good? I began to persist with mom and dad. Mom, dad, please, 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 would you please give me this transformer airplane? What do you think mom and dad did? What do you think they did? Well, before I tell you what they did, I want to invite you into a story there in Luke chapter eight, 18, because this story reminds me very much of my persistent asking mom and dad for this transformer airplane. The setting is in the later part of the ministry and life of Jesus, his earthly ministry and life. And he's there teaching his disciples about his soon coming suffering. And then, what they can expect in terms of what they will experience before his coming kingdom. And it's in this context of anticipating his coming kingdom, which 
will not come as he's teaching there in its fullness until the end of time at his second coming. And so it's in this context now that he begins to teach them and he begins to talk about why they ought to pray always and not lose heart. That's the context of his instruction to them, not to, to lose heart and to pray always. It's in light of them anticipating his soon return. And as he's sharing this with them, immediately your mind begins to maybe pop up in your mind another scripture, right? Paul writing to the church in Thessalonica, in Greece, and he says, pray without what? Ceasing. Pray without ceasing. And so some of us that are following Jesus, we're hearing this as a strong encouragement, amen? But I want to tell you that some of us that are hearing this are not hearing it as a strong encouragement. It's coming a little bit as a frustrating statement. Because they might resonate with the experience of a character in the Bible, Zacharias. The priest there in Jerusalem, as it's recorded in Luke's account of the gospel. And he had been praying and praying and praying for a long period of time for his barren wife Elizabeth to bear a child. And when we find him there in Luke chapter 1, both him and his wife are up in age and had been praying for decades on top of decades. And Luke even takes the time to describe for us that they're good people, that they're, they're faithful to Yahweh, and yet they're not seeing the answer to their prayers or the results that they're looking for. They're way past the age now of Humanly speaking, having a child. And so somebody here might be hearing this instruction from Jesus to always pray and not lose heart, never give up, and could be a little triggered into frustration. I want you to know I get it. I really do. I get it. Because what happens when you've been praying? I've been in a series on prayer, and I know many of you have been engaged in prayer. We have prayer ministry. We have prayer meeting. Mark, we've got small groups. You're at home with your family or alone with the Lord, and you've been praying. You've been praying. Some of you have children that may not be regularly engaged in church. And they were raised in your home, and you've been praying. Some of you have needs, financial. Some of you have loved ones right now experiencing Hurricane Ian. You've been praying. I know some have family members that are in Russia or Ukraine. Some people are going through things that, that have moved them, praise God, into prayer, but they have not yet seen the answer. Have you been there? And so I can understand the person that says, Hey, Pastor CJ, I hear what Jesus is saying in the scripture, but, but why should I persist in prayer without giving up when it seems like my prayers are unanswered? 
You ever ask that question? Why keep praying? I hear the instruction, right? Pray always. Be in constant conversation with the Lord. Pray without ceasing. Don't give up. But if I'm to be honest, you might say, sometimes I'm tempted to give up asking for this. Well, as Jesus, as any good first century rabbi would do, begins to go into a story to explain his point. And I want to invite you now into this story and imagine we're there. We're, we're, we're seated with the other disciples and we're seated around the feet of Jesus, as all good disciples would do around their rabbi. And we're now going to listen to him. He's going to now expound on his point through this story. Yes? And maybe if we sit there with the other disciples, the other learners, the other followers, we'll get an answer to our question. Yeah? Jesus sets the stage for us. There's this certain city somewhere. And in this certain city, there is a, a person of authority and position, a person of power and influence. There is a judge and the Bible lets us know there, Jesus, as he's unpacking this story for us, he's letting us know that this judge neither fears God, nor does he have any regard or care, Devana, for people. Sounds like the kind of person you want around, doesn't it? He doesn't fear God, he doesn't regard or care for people. And what this is basically telling us is that He's someone that does not revere and love God as a response to his grace and mercy. And therefore, he does not care for the people made in his image, which is everybody. That's the natural outflow of someone that loves and reveres God. They also respect the people that are made in his image, his children, which is every human being on the planet. And so, you know, as I'm reflecting on uh, some of the court decisions in our day, it's clear to me that this is not the kind of judge or person of governmental authority or anyone that you want to put in a position of authority. This is not the kind of character. This is not the kind of person you want in a position of authority. Because what this is going to mean is they're going to leave a track record of making decisions that are steeped in injustice. Oh, it's quiet. There's no amens right now. This is not the kind of person, as I'm hearing this story, Jesus, that should be occupying that position. As Jesus continues the story, he begins to introduce us to a new character. You should have had plenty of time to go to Luke chapter 18. But I want you to come with me as Jesus continues the story. I want you to come with me now to verse number three. Verse number what? Verse number three. Come with me. Luke chapter 18, verse number three. And Jesus now continuing the story. He says, now there was a widow in that city. And she came to him saying, get justice for me from my adversary. Thank you. 
for my adversary and he would not for a while but afterward he said within himself listen to this and I love how I love how um, where is he where's Pierre's son oh is he over in children's church I love how I love how Yanni read it earlier today some of y'all were kind of laughing and following along the humor in this story but it's real follow this the judge says within himself, though I do not fear God, nor regard man, that's humanity, yet because this widow troubles me, I will avenge her, lest by her continual coming she weary me. Did you hear that? Lest by her continual, as some might say, nagging. She just gets under my skin and I just go, you know what? I just got to get this lady off of my, just, just get her out of my sphere. And, and, and right away, as we see this widow coming to this judge, as Jesus is telling the story, it should come to our minds, if you're familiar with the unfolding story of Scripture, that it's replete throughout all of Scripture that this widow represents the kinds of people that were the most vulnerable in society to injustice. People like orphans. People like the enslaved. People like the immigrant. These were the kinds of, of people that... That, that God over and over and over again, through the prophetic voice of his messengers, through his servants, through the prophets, he would call his people to account. These are the kind of people I need you to pay attention to. They need justice. They need people to make wrong things right for them. My heart is for these people. I'm a God of mercy and justice. And as God is calling his people to account, you begin to now feel sorry that this woman has to be put in the position because of her circumstance to have to now come to an unjust judge to receive justice. Most of us would have just quit and said, you know what? I cannot expect any justice from this kind of person. But this widow had a different kind of spirit. Uh, she said, you know what? I'm going to make the most out of the only option I have, which is where a lot of people are in society. And it's right here that we begin to realize, I hope you're beginning to realize it, it's right now that we begin to realize that what Jesus is actually trying to say to us is that we need to always pray and never give up. One, because even broken human systems will respond if you're persistent enough. <laughs> even broken human systems will respond if you're persistent enough. Clearly there had to have been a systemic problem for someone with any kind of wherewithal to put this kind of judge in a position to evaluate cases that should render justice. And Jesus says, look, even broken human systems, if you're persistent enough, Chris will render 
a response. I'm thinking about the book that came out not too long ago, and then a subsequent film was made from it. The actor uh, Jamie Foxx played in this film, and, and, and it's Just Mercy, just mercy. It's, it's the story of an African-American male that was, that was falsely imprisoned and almost gave up complete hope of ever experiencing justice. And there was an African-American lawyer who made it his, his, his determined life work to get justice for those that were wrongly imprisoned, to find the evidence. And praise God, lo and behold, he actually does. But if you read the book particularly, which gives you more detail, and then of course, if you see the film, my Lord, the long journey and all of the wounds and all of the pains and everything that he went through to finally get justice. It's not just that man's story. It's many that have been incarcerated wrongly until they finally get justice many times decades later. Even broken human systems. If you're persistent enough, we'll respond. Jesus urges us in Scripture, the Bible urges us that that the, the prayers of a righteous man or person avails much he's urging you keep praying don't stop keep persisting you see sometimes when you don't get the response when you want it doesn't mean that there's not a response coming it it, it doesn't mean that you'll always be in this position it doesn't mean that you'll always not be in the position to have the results you're seeking but he says if you just keep persisting listen even unjust systems <laughs> will respond if you keep praying. How many of you will say amen to that? How many of you will say, you know what, I got to be more persistent. I need, to, I need to keep praying. I need to keep asking. I need not to give up. I need not to allow, like salespeople understand this, they hear no and no and no and no, but they know eventually. It's like a numbers game. Eventually, there's going to be a yes. And not just one, but several yeses. So they're willing to go through all the no's to get to the yes. But let me ask you a question, because somebody's already thinking it. Is Jesus suggesting at this point in the story that somehow God is like this judge? That, 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 that. You have to keep praying and keep requesting and, 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 and keep asking until he gets annoyed enough to answer your prayer. Is that what he's saying? Is that what he's suggesting? Because he's using an unjust judge as an example. Yes? I bring you now to verse, verse number six. Verse number six. Listen to the word of the Lord. The Bible says, then the Lord Jesus, listen to what he says. He says, hear what the unjust judge said. And shall God not avenge his own elect who cry out day and night to him, though he bears long with them? I tell you that he will avenge them, what? Swiftly or speedily. Nevertheless, 
when the Son of Man, that's code for Jesus, comes, will he really find faith on the earth? When the Son of Man comes, will he really find faith on the earth? I love that word faith, but it doesn't always in the English bring it out what he's really trying to say. Will he find trust in the earth? Relational trust in the earth. Are you hearing what he's saying? Jesus is drawing a sharp contrast between this unjust judge and God. He's saying, there's a vast difference between them. But watch this. If you can even get a response from an unjust judge like this widow, then how much more the God who loves you and created you and made you in his image, you're his kids. How much more is he going to respond? He says, listen, he's not just going to respond. He's going to respond speedily. That's the perspective of heaven. But as you're in your experience, as you're waiting, it doesn't feel speedily, does it? <laughs> I want to I tell you really quickly about my mom. My mom, um, when I was getting ready to graduate from high school, you, you, wanna, you want me to age myself? I have no problem. I, I embrace my age, right? I was graduating in 1997, okay, from high school. And all year... We're talking about which college I'm going to go to. And I eventually got accepted to Florida International University in Miami. And I'm getting excited and gearing up to be, I mean, I was going to be commuting, so I wasn't going to be like living on campus, but I was going to be down there just about every day. I was going to somehow get there because I didn't have a car. You know, I had my restricted and I eventually got my driver's license, driving mom's car, dad's car around, but I didn't have my own car. So, you know, my mom was like, well, you know, I got to go to work. And, and, and so you're going to have to take... Let's see, because I was in Fort Lauderdale, you know, suburb city of Fort Lauderdale, and this is down in Miami. Well, you know, CJ, uh, you're going to have to take, um, I think it's this bus. I forgot the number, but CJ, this bus. And then you're going to have to take the, uh, the train, okay? And then once you get down to the train, then it's going to take you to another bus. And then you're going to have to take another bus down the long entrance into the That's going to be your commute. So you're going to have to do what you got to do. Get that education. She's setting me up because that whole time I'm like, man, that's going to be, I have to get up at like four in the morning and I'm just to get to like one, two classes. Man, I might as well just study on the bus and on the, I hope I don't fall asleep and miss a stop, you know. And then came graduation. And when the service was over, let me tell you, as soon as I walked outside of the big auditorium and I look over in the distance, I see this car. And it's covered in balloons, Novi. And it's got somebody's name on it. But I'm annoyed because I'm seeing where the car is parked. And I'm like, man, other cars got to get by. Why are they parking right there? I mean, they could have at least moved it. And then I, I, I keep seeing people that look, what's my brother doing over there? I don't know why. He, why is he standing by this car? He's got this smile on his face. What's that about? Maybe he knows the person that's got, maybe he could tell that person to move their vehicle. I was slow to get this thing, Vanessa. I, I, I'm, I'm walking, and I, and I realize on the way that, that my stepfather says, hey, hold these keys for me real quick, you know? Just hold these keys. And, and so I hold the keys, you know? I hold the keys. <laughs> I'm thinking, I didn't look at the keys. I just, I just took them. And I'm thinking, I'm thinking, oh, he just, you know, maybe doesn't want it, like, you know, jump, clanking around in his pocket. So, all right, I guess I'll hold it. You know, anyway, hey, all right, what's up? Good, yeah, man, I can't wait to, man, college is going to be awesome, yeah. 
And I get closer to this car and I go, man, that, that's got my name on it. That's my brother, my sister. Oh my goodness. <laughs> you mean to tell me that this whole time my mom was talking to me, she and my stepfather were actually planning and executing how they were going to give me a brand new car so that I could take a 30-minute commute <laughs> versus a two-hour-and-a-half commute. You know, my mother and my father were far more eager. Listen, they were far more eager to give me the thing I needed than I thought. That whole time. And what Jesus is saying to us right now is that you need to keep praying. You need to persist in prayer. Please don't miss this. You need to persist in prayer and never give up, never lose heart. Because the soon coming king is far more willing to give you what you need than you think. Somebody is not, not believing that, not receiving that. You've been praying for a long time, but that's actually what he's saying. That's what he's saying. He's saying that the soon coming king, this is in the context, remember, he's teaching about the soon coming Messiah when he sets up his kingdom, fully realized at the end of time, yes? And he's saying, I need you all to keep praying. Don't stop, keep praying. Keep praying. Don't give up. Don't lose heart. You want to know why? I'm not like that unjust judge. I'm far more willing to give you what you need than you think. Notice I said what you need. There's some things we think we want and they're actually not good for us, right? And you got to remember, if you didn't have a good parent experience, then maybe it's hard to really realize this. But, but God is a parent. He's a father. And, 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 and he wants to get... Matter of fact, Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount that he knows what you need, Matthew 6, before you even ask. And so he, he's far more willing to give you what you need, which is good for you. He wants to bless you. And so he wants you to keep praying, not because he just needs you to nag him to death. He loves you and he wants to hear his kids. He wants his kids to feel safe enough to come to him with what they need. More so, he just wants to be in relationship with you. He's far more willing to give you what you need than you think. You're not nagging him, he's saying. This judge was annoyed. She's going to weary me with her request, but... God is actually saying to you, which is what Jesus is doing, he's, he's painting for you the picture of God that he's revealing. And he's saying, I'm not, I'm not bothered. You're, you're, not, you're not nagging me. It's safe to bring that to me. I want to hear it. I'm going to respond swiftly, he says. I want to give you some context for what he's saying here. And some of us Bible students in our Seventh-day Adventist movement may be familiar with this. How many of you are familiar with the trumpets? In Revelation, we were talking about this, Devana. You're familiar with the seven trumpets of Revelation, yes? Okay, and uh, we don't have time to go into the details, right, to really get into this, but, but something jumped out of me. You may be familiar with the, the Bible saying in Revelation that the, the prayers of the saints ascend 
like incense into the sanctuary of God, yes? Yeah, it's the prayers of the saints arising, right? And if you're following the sequence of the seven trumpets, right? Sometimes what we'll do as we read the seven trumpets, when we read them and we say, oh, that sounds like judgments falling on the earth before Jesus returns. Well, yes, they're judgments. Watch this. When you study it out, these are not parallel with the seven last plagues. These are not paralleled with the seven last plagues. Some of you know what I'm talking about. Last days, right? Time of tribulation. These, are, these precede those seven last plagues. These are precursors to his final act of just judgment. He's slow to anger. Remember, God is, his character is a character of love. He doesn't just lose it when you mess up. He, he, he takes time. He tries to work with your heart. But humanity collectively in the end of time gets to a place where they're so like Satan, so selfish, that he's forced to act in a way of justice to accomplish salvation for those that are being harmed and persecuted. What it's saying in the seven trumpets, and some people may have been in certain kinds of evangelistic meetings, might be a little triggered right now. Please just bear with me for one moment. Because I want you to, I want you to see the character of God in this. It's a beautiful picture that emerges. When you study out those seven trumpets, the first few trumpets, the first two, I'll just talk about the first two. It's not talking about judgments in the, in the future, like kind of in a futurist sense. It's talking about judgments that already preceded. Judgment first, judgment begins first in the house of God, among God's people. The first judgment there in Revelation is actually talking about the judgment on Jerusalem in 70 AD when the temple was destroyed. Are you hearing me? That's number one. The second trumpet is actually talking, let me get this back up here, is actually talking about the judgment on the Babylon of its time, which was Rome. Rome fell, yeah? Are you with me? God is sovereign over the nations. He's got his eye on his people. You know what he's saying? That was the context. Listen, that was the context of the prayers ascending before the throne of God like incense into the temple. You know what happened? God responded in justice. Already. Oh, I know you guys are not hearing me and believing me right now. <laughs> Those seven trumpets are saying that already in history, God's people that were persecuted needed God to act. And he already did. Jesus was saying this before 70 AD. So you know what he's saying? Already to us now, followers of Jesus Christ, already you can see the evidence from when I originally gave this instruction to pray always and not lose heart. You can already see that I already responded. Remember, he said... God will come through speedily and swiftly, he says. Yes, it happened in 70 AD. It happened at the fall of Rome. And it's been happening throughout history. You know what he's saying? I respond. You may not realize that that was actually my response. You may not have realized I was the one intervening into your life and causing wrong things to be worked out for right, but that was me. That was an answer to your prayer. This is one of the reasons why he encourages us. Keep praying. 
Pray together. Why? Because when God comes through, you'll give him glory. When God comes through, you'll say, that wasn't just coincidence. I was praying about that. That was on my prayer list. Pastor and everybody at church, the prayer team, was praying for me. God moved. The context in the text here is justice. But beyond justice, are there just some things in your life that you're like, God, do something now? Are there things in America, in this nation, and you're like, God, do something now? God is trying to tell you there and in Revelation, I'm, I'm on the ground. <laughs> I'm moving. I'm hearing you. Keep praying. Keep praying. It's not just going up to the ceiling. <laughs> Keep praying. And by the way, he doesn't just want you to pray for things you want and what you need. He, he wants a relationship. That's what he wants. If you know him, then you know it's nothing, it's not a thing to ask what you need. I was talking to my mom about how I was going to get to school. Yeah? Who should I have gone to before my mom and my dad about my need for a car? Should I have gone to somebody out in the community? Should I have gone to an associate, a classmate? Who should I have gone to other than primarily first mom and dad about what I need? Why? Because I'm in a relationship with them. They were, they've already demonstrated over 18 years up, up until that point that they're trustworthy. They've already demonstrated that they take care of my needs. So, of course, the first resort is to say, hey, mom, Matter of fact, I didn't even tell her right away I'm going to need a car. I just say, hey, Mom, how am I going to get to school? Lord Jesus, I just preached something right there. All I did initially was just present the situation. I didn't even say, hey, please hook me up with a brand new car. I didn't say that. I just said, how am I going to get there? And she's like, well, I mean, you know, I don't know, CJ. You might, you know, you're going to have to do this, and maybe this, and then this. The whole time, she's working it out. And I want to tell you, my parents love me, but God's love for me goes way, supersedes my parents. Like seriously, that's what he's saying. And what he's saying here as we wrap up, he's saying, I'm coming soon, Adventists. I'm coming soon. But here, I really want you to hear what Jesus is saying. Please don't miss this. Somebody please. He's saying that at the end of time, your position, your orientation to my soon coming should not be fear and anxiety. And I've got to somehow white knuckle it to get it right when he cracks the sky. No, he's saying when the son of man returns, will he find people that trust in him? How do you gain trust? By seeing on full display someone's character of love manifested towards you. They care about me. They see about me. They want to be with me. They value me. And because that is true, I can trust them. Jesus says, listen, I'm not like that unjust judge. I'm completely different. And I need people in the end of time that really know and understand my character. The Advent people that are going to be ready to receive Jesus real soon. Yes. When he cracks the sky, understands his character of love. And so they trust him. 
They got to. The stuff that we're going to go through before he returns, we're going to need to trust a just judge. When there's rampant injustice on the, on the face of the planet, we've got to trust in someone that is not just going to hook us up with that brand new car to get to school, but is actually going to provide our bread and our water and every other thing that we need before he returns when human systems fail. When the, are you hearing his heart? When the Son of Man, when I come back, this is before the cross. When the Son of Man comes, well, am I going to find people, Vanessa, that really trust me? Because what he's hoping is, I hope the cross demonstrates how trustworthy I am. I'm hoping that when you see the nails, when you know that they were, <laughs> I was pierced for you. Like I'm getting your mansion, I know how you like your mansion. <laughs> but I'm hoping you're not just going to come for the mansion. I hope you want to see me. I hope we have a relationship. I hope you trust in me. Because I got you. That's what he's saying. Is something on your heart that you brought here today? Meaning God to answer. He says, I'm not just going to answer at the end of time. I'm not just going to answer in justice. But I'm going to hook you up now. And, and sometimes when I'm with my kids, they ask me for things and beg me over and over and over and over again. And I sometimes just have to say no or not now, right? And it's not because I'm trying to be mean, Dad. It's just that I want my kids not to spoil their dinner by having some cookies before dinner. <laughs> I want my kids to put that device away so they can actually have a good night's sleep so that maybe Mommy and Dad can get a little bit of time before they, before they get it. You know what I'm saying? Like, like, like there's good reasons. And, and when this whole thing is over, family, when this whole story of salvation wraps up, especially when we're there in the millennium, 1,000 years, you're going to look at this thing from God's perspective. You're going to go, I get it. I didn't get it when I wanted it. I didn't understand why I have that scar. I didn't understand why I had that painful experience, but man, when I see it in all of its complexity, from God's perspective, man, God, you showed up right on time. And even right now, my kids, when I try to explain why they're not getting it when they want it and how they want it, it's not that I'm not already planning out when I want them to get it and something even better than what they want. But at their age four and seven, oh, not, not quite seven, Tommy six. He's almost seven. Sometimes they just don't even understand what I'm trying to say to them. When I try to break down the intricacies of germs <laughs> and why they can't touch that and then go and get the cookies and put their hand in their mouth, right? They're, they're, they're not understanding all of that. And so I sometimes just have to just say, no, now's not the right time. You don't even, uh, so God's like, look, I, I want to explain some of this stuff to you. It would totally blow your mind. You wouldn't even be able to grasp it. But here's what I do want you to do. And here's what I want to leave you. I want you to trust me. You may not understand why. And there are some things you can get solid, concrete answers from in the Bible and, else, and, and otherwise. But there are other things, there's some things that you won't fully understand until you get to heaven. In that 1,000 year period where he opens up the books and you can look at it in all of its complexity and go, wow, yeah, I get what you were dealing with. And so guess what? You know what's most important right now? A relationship with God that induces trust. An orientation towards scripture and Adventism and Christianity that is gospel-centric so that your heart can safely trust him. 
Because when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? Will he find a people? Because your good, good Father longs to hear from you and longs for you to know that he responds. He analyzes all that you're going through and he says, I know exactly what you need. Oh, I got it. You see, my mom and my dad had a conversation as I was persisting over and over and over again, please get me this transformer airplane. And they came back to me. I don't remember how long it was. It felt like an eternity. You know, when you want something really bad, it was probably more like two minutes, but it felt like two hours. And they said, give me that, give me that transformer airplane. They took that thing to the cash register and they bought me that airplane. And I took it home. And I don't remember what happened to that airplane. I think I broke it at some point. I think a piece of the wing fell off and all of that. So, uh, but here's what was left etched in my mind, yeah? That when I came to my mom and my dad, and I needed something, and even wanted something, the two of them consulted together. And they gave me what I asked for. You want to know why? Because they're my parents. You know, they kind of love me. You know? Just a, just a hutch there. <laughs> but our parents give us just a glimpse of the great ocean-like love of your father. So you can safely come to him with your stuff. It's okay. Book of Job, most of the time he's silent there. You know why? He can take it. Chest is big enough. Bring it. Bring it on. He's God. If you can sustain galaxies, I think he can handle your stuff, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And he's going to give you what you need. He's going to respond. He's going to act in justice. Oh, yes, he will. Oh, yes, he will. But you know what he delights in more is his mercy. Somebody may, but maybe you heard something today that, that touched your heart in terms of how Jesus and him crucified reveals to you what your father is like. And you want to respond to him and say, I want to follow him. I don't just need a pass from all my bad mistakes. We get that in his grace. But he also empowers us through the spirit to live a life. Thank you for listening to Living For Him podcast. I pray that you were blessed by this message and that you experienced the good news of the love of God revealed in Jesus Christ. I'd like to personally invite you to respond to this good news and take the next steps in following Jesus by clicking the prompt in the description. I've also created a resource to help you experience the joy of a close relationship with Jesus called the Life in Christ Daily Devotional Journal. If you'd like to experience Jesus daily, watch the good news of his story unfold throughout scripture, and do this as a weekly small group gathering, then get your copy today in print or ebook by clicking the link in the description. Living for Him exists to tell the story of Jesus for the equipping of healthy disciple makers who extend his reign of love. If you'd like to support the further development of this exciting ministry, then I encourage you to become a monthly supporter by also clicking the link in the description. Your support is greatly appreciated. 
You're also invited to like and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Subscribe to this podcast and subscribe to our e-newsletter by visiting our website at livingforhim.tv. Lastly, we kindly ask that you write us a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or any other podcast platform you're listening to us on, and share this podcast with your friends. I look forward to meeting you here again in our next episode, where our desire is that you experience the joy of life in Christ. Once again, I'm CJ Cousins, and I'm living for him.